This is season two of We Are All Americans, conversations about how family stories are passed down from generation to generation and what it means to be American in the context of multiculturalism, immigration, military service, Black Lives Matter, white privilege, and indigeneity. Welcome to episode three. I'm your host, Michelle Jacquis, and I'm here with Kayla Tange, and we're in my studio in Chinatown. Welcome. Hi. So let's start. Tell us a little bit about yourself and why you were interested in having this conversation with me. Um, I am interested because I was adopted um, from Korea when I was six months old, mm-hmm. and I'm always, I'm I was already fascinated as to how, you know. How we all end up here, mm-hmm. <laughs> and some um, by choice, and some not by choice. Right. Uh, but it, it's an interesting topic because sometimes, y- you know, when I'm asked like, "Where am I from?" And then I have to explain this long backstory mm-hmm. of, or they say, "Oh, you know." people say all kinds of things like what kind of Asian are you I I mean really bizarre ways of asking but then I have to you know explain like oh well my my name's Japanese but I'm adopted from Korea and um, you know a lot of people have things to say like oh how fortunate you are or you should be so lucky Mm. Um, you know you have such a better life now and I without knowing what without knowing life this, would have been like right there and wow. uh, so like I always think that that's um, it's an interesting subject to uh, bring up yeah. Yeah. <laughs> with strangers because I mean maybe that's true um, but you know I didn't choose to be here but I am happy to be here uh, so yeah because I did go back to Korea um, in 2011 and felt basically like an alien in my own country. Is that the first time you had been there since you were left? That was the first time I had been there. So it was really surreal to go to a place where you look like everyone, mm-hmm. but you can communicate with no one. Mm-hmm. And so... Did you do one of those, like I have a friend who was also adopted from Korea and she did a trip where four Korean adoptees of American families and went back and they, it's like this cultural tour for That's them. what I did. Yeah. And it was through Holt, which is um, a pretty massive adoption agency. Yeah. And so they organized tours to go back and uh, yeah, that was, that was a pretty interesting time, that's for sure. Um... Yeah, I'd never been around so many Korean people in my life. Even in Los Angeles? Even in Los Angeles. You know, I'd gone to Korean restaurants, but I mean, being around people, the country that you're from, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it was a very surreal moment and not being able to communicate with anybody. Mm -hmm. Um, But because even in LA, I feel like um, I get... I do get a lot of racial comments, which I find really strange considering Los Angeles is such mm, a melting mm-hmm, pot. Mm-hmm. Um, Can you give examples? <laughs> uh, yes, and generally they're really inappropriate, um, often for men. Uh, the last one that really threw me off was do you know what I find is the sexiest thing in the world? This is a complete stranger, by the way. Oh, and I was like, go for it. And he's like, when an Asian woman like yourself speaks perfect English. And I mean, I was already thrown off wow. because who says that? But then he went on to dig himself further Oops. into this hole and said, because, you know, when I look at someone like you, I just think that you have an accent and then when you speak perfect English it's just it's just so sexy and I mean I, I actually didn't even I was at a loss for words at that point wow yeah it's not the first time I've heard someone tell me that they've gotten that kind of a comment yeah 
but it's crazy because it's the the person saying it is making such an assumption about who you are and and not it's like how could you live in Los Angeles and not recognize that there's Asian people who were born and raised here for right. generations exactly <laughs> so yeah I just thought I mean that was probably like the last one that I got that I was really wow you know pretty appalled by just because I just think it's inappropriate to talk to people like that in general mm-hmm. but then on top of that to bring their race up which um it's like there's a million other subjects that you could talk about <laughs> to a stranger, but why do you have to approach And they somebody? think they're complimenting you by calling yeah, he you thought sexy. He, was com- he thought he was complimenting me. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. That's crazy. And, oh, just walking down the street and getting screamed konnichiwa at. And this is in West Hollywood. Wow. This isn't, like... Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's like walking to work, and I mean just stuff like that. Wow! Did you grow up learning Japanese with your parents, or no? Unfortunately, I didn't. Um, my parents were both the youngest. Um, my dad was the youngest of seven, and my mm-hmm. mom was the youngest of five. And their parents—they were. Um, Japanese their parents were Japanese immigrants Mm -hmm. but they um, were also became citizens Mm -hmm. but during World War II they were put in internment camps Mm -hmm. so um, I I don't know if that had something to do with it but we never learned Mm -hmm. Japanese I mean we were around it as children but um, yeah I never you have siblings I have one sister okay She's also adopted from Korea, uh-huh. but we're not um, blood related. Mm-hmm. She's three years younger than me, adopted mm-hmm. from a different family. Mm-hmm. So, do you know why your parents chose that country to adopt from? You know, I don't. Um, I know that they had tried to adopt Japanese boys, mm-hmm. and something fell through. So I think. They, you know, wanted to adopt children, and that's kind of how they yeah. ended up. Yeah, it's kind of like my my family that adopted kids from China. I think it all I know is that they said they they were concerned about adopting domestically because they were really worried about the birth parents coming to find the kids and the complicate. They didn't want to deal with the complications around that, and then China is the country that worked out. Right. Out of all the places they were looking. I think that's kind of the same yeah. situation. Um, so, which is funny because, you know, we grew up in an Asian family. So, um, it's very different than, I think, Korean kids that are adopted into um, other families because we kind of past as their children mm. but then didn't mm. so that's mm-hmm. also like other layers well yeah it's like if if because a, anybody who's adopted isn't necessarily going to look like their parents yeah but i feel like from yeah. the outside yeah people just were like oh asian kids asian parents yeah but then you know there's so many layers it wasn't as obvious mm. mm-hmm. i think um so I, yeah, I'm not sure what other experiences that creates, you know. Yeah. Um, Did your grandparents talk much about their experience in the internment camps? No. It was like I knew these things because my parents told me, but mm. then it was as if no one talked about it. Yeah. Was it before your parents were born? Uh, my parents were, yes, my parents were very young. My mom was born in the internment camps. Oh, wow. and my dad was, I believe my dad was a couple years old. He was a baby. Mm. So, yeah, it's really strange that I didn't really hear much. It's like it never happened because nobody spoke about it. 
Like it's too traumatic yeah. to bring up. Yeah. Hmm. So, I mean, my parents were always very open. Are they still alive? My mom is passed. Oh, my dad's still sorry. alive. Okay. And your grandparents? Yeah, they've all passed. Okay. So, because their parents are, their siblings were so much older than them. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, unfortunately, you know, I saw a lot of them passed. That passed as a child. Yeah. So. So your dad's the one with the family history. Um, the only the one that you could mom. talk to about it. Yeah, my mom told us history. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, my dad's really like the only one that I ask questions now. Yeah. yeah. Do you know anything about when your grandparents came over to the U.S.? Uh. I don't know much about that history, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Like, I never really got to speak to them because, mm. like, the language barrier. Mm-hmm. And then my, I don't know if my dad remembers much. So, like, I'm, I really regret not being able to have had these conversations with them. Yeah. And because of a lot of their siblings past, I don't have these stories. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's hard. It's, it is and hard because that imagine... is something that I had thought about doing. Like I'd wanted to talk to them, but then. It was... And then I imagine then there's the added complexity of of being adopted and not knowing that side. Oh, that's all. something that I've been working on for years now, which is. You know, that's has its own set of problems because it's like first I first I wanted to know because my adopted mother passed away and I just felt like I just had this longing to mm-hmm. then find my birth mother. Um, and then it was it, you know it's it's always evolving as to like why I want to find her. Like, mm. I want to find her because I need this mother figure. And then it was like, oh, well, I want to find her for health reasons because mm-hmm. um, I don't have any family his- health history. Yeah. And then um, it's like, well, I want to find her. Then when I went back, it was like, I want to find her because I want to know the real story, which right. I found different paperwork when I actually went there. Mm-hmm. Um And then, you know, it was like, I want to find her because I want to know if she's okay. So it just kind of, like, keeps evolving. Yeah. Is is this what the film is about that you made? The film was um, a visual letter to her Mm -hmm. and basically saying, like, I'm okay. Um, I had a great family and I have a great family. Um, But, like, I'm still wondering. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I still have all these questions. And, yeah, it, a reporter actually um, wrote an article about it in Korea Daily, mm. which is really weird because I never submitted it, and I, but I had this, like, hope that maybe because... Something would happen that she'd right. see it. Yeah. Um, but, no. <laughs> she, we had contact um, for a little bit after I came you, back. You did find her? I found her. But then I, so then I, I found her, well, Holt helped me find her, and then I flew to Korea, and I made her this photo album mm-hmm. of basically Your all life. the year, my life, Yeah, wow. and at the time I was 28, Okay. so I made her a photo album of, you know, six months old to 28, and uh, yeah, I, I flew to Korea, I was super excited to meet her because I had all these questions and then an hour before the meeting um, the social worker was like she can't do it and so of course uh, I didn't talk about it for years I think mm-hmm. I flew back went to work the next day like I, everyone was asking me how I was doing and how it went yeah. I was like everything's great you know but that must have been so heartbroken oh it was I, I mean, I, I literally don't think that I really processed it until I made that film mm. with um, my friend Luca Fisher and uh, the director Matthew Condart. 
they approached me and you know they were interested in the story but then it evolved into that Mm -hmm. where it turned into this visual letter to her um yeah it was it was very heartbreaking so I don't think I really even um processed it until a couple of years ago (laughs) so which kind of made me have to I wrote a blog while I was in Korea every day Mm. of how I was feeling and so I had to relook at that and I was just like oh well okay (laughs) you know yeah that must have been so yeah, I don't know where she is now. Mm. Um, so you, you never met her. You just I never know met who her. She is. We did yeah. like said have some correspondence after I got back mm. through the social worker who was translating um, emails for us, and mm. she um, translated a couple letters. And she said, "I'm really sorry. I couldn't do it. It was too painful. I think about you every day, mm-hmm. and I was really angry." <laughs> Um, and then I wrote her a letter before I turned 30 because I figured I needed to, um, I needed to, I didn't want to go into another phase of my life not having, having forgiven her. Mm-hmm. So I wrote her this long letter, which ended up kind of turning, that was part of mm-hmm. the film. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so it's this part of my history I feel like is missing constantly which is really strange because in that sense I feel like you are forced to create your own identity Mm -hmm. which um, which is really challenging to do when you don't feel like you have this foundation and this past you know these stories to build on right because you're basically building from zero yeah and then it becomes you make yeah, you have to make it up and or or just as if that's the beginning of the history. And right. There's nothing before. And so I feel like you yeah. latch on to these other parts of your, you know, other interests that you have or friends or, mm-hmm. you know. Um, or like for me, it's art. <laughs> so I communicate. So I don't, um, I feel like yeah, I have my immediate adoptive family and then, like, everything before that is question mark. Mm -hmm. So I think that's why I am so interested in these stories and Mm -hmm. what you're doing because um, when people can trace back such far history, it's always so fascinating to me because... um, I can't, you know, I can't do that. I may never be able to do that. So I think it's super fascinating when I hear stories of like, oh, my grandparents came to this country like this, or my great-grandparents, you know, and it's like you have such deep history um, when I don't know really anything. On my mom's side, my grandfather had been doing a lot of family tree stuff, and I think he's got it. He had it, he and his brother had gotten back to like six generations or oh, something. Oh wow. And um and then I think my grandmother's brother has he's the only one on that generation that's still alive and he's also kind of working on a on a family tree. I'm not sure how far back it goes. But on my dad's side I don't I don't really know though. You don't know? No. They my father my parents divorced before my sister and I started elementary school and I didn't I when I was in fourth grade, he moved to Colorado. We were living in New York. He moved to Colorado. And then the fall, two years later, my mom and sister and I moved to Florida. And we kind of, and I didn't see him again until my freshman year of college. Oh, wow. And we heard from him occasionally, but most of the time it was like my mom and him fighting over child support. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I didn't, I just, and he also lost touch with a lot of his family in Western New York and Mm -hmm. and upstate New York. They lived along kind of like the, he he was from Buffalo, but there, but um, a lot of his families from like the Adirondacks and like areas around close to the border of Canada. And they're all French Canadian. But I, I I had, um, 
I've told a few people this story where a couple years ago, now it's been like maybe four or five years ago, I started getting um, FaceTime calls and emails from a Chris Jackwis. Really? And those are, it's not a common last name. Right. It's not a common spelling. So I finally replied back and said, are you, are you related to Marston? Jack was from Buffalo, New York. And he was like, and Marston is my father's name and my grandfather's name. And he was like, yes. And it turns out our grandfathers were brothers. So he's since sent me stuff. Knowing, knowing he was trying to reach out to you. He was trying to get his daughter. My email is mjackwis at gmail and hers is majackwis. So he was forgetting Whoa. the A and just like sending me random stuff about her soccer But it just team. so happened that you're related. Yeah. And so, and like I've even gotten one time she tried to order pizza like through one of those online That is so things, weird. And I got the confirmation because she forgot the A in the pizza order in her email address. That is so strange. Yeah. But now it's like I know who they are. It's really funny. But anyways, it connected me to a couple other relatives on that side of the family. And when my son was born, there's like some, I guess she's a great aunt of mine, because I think she's an aunt of my father's. She started sending me, like she sent me baby, like kids books, like those um, golden books. You remember yeah, those? Yeah, yeah. That were my father's from like the late 40s. That's so cool. Early 50s. And then um, she sent me a, some Ancestry.com and census stuff that she had found. But I haven't talked to anybody about it. In my like my, I, Beyond like receiving it and thanking her for it, like I don't really know any of the stories. Mm-hmm. I just think they're all French-Canadian, but I don't know like when. I just think that's such a cool stuff. way to accidentally. It was really weird. And it was also this thing where my sister and I look more like my father's side of the family. My mother's side look very stereotypically Eastern European Jews. And my mom's hair is like, before it started going gray, was like super dark and ring like curls. And my sister and I have straight blonde hair. And when we got this, Chris sent us this um, photograph from some family reunion and everybody was blonde. And we were like, oh yeah, okay. You were like, okay, it makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I knew my father was blonde when he was younger. So but to I not have it, but, a connection, yeah, to, it's like, I... It's not the same as being adopted, but I do feel like I can empathize because I, I don't know that side. Right. Well. Yeah. Which is funny because, um, you know, I never met my mother, but she had sent a photo mm. of herself to... Oh, because I sent... Her a photo after. Did I, you end up sending her the whole album? I didn't end up sending the album, which I actually found the other day in a box, and I was just like, "Wow, I really buried that. <laughs> <laughs> I really buried that. That was, um, yeah." So I had sent her a photo through uh, the social worker, and she said, "Your mother says, wow, you look just like your father.'" She looks just like her father. Wow. Um, because I I saw a picture of my mother, and I was like, wow, I don't look like her at all. Um, which is really interesting because, obviously, I've been searching for her for... Mm-hmm. It's, well, that yeah. was in 2011, Did it sort of freak you way. out and be like, is this even the right woman? It, it was strange because I thought, oh, for sure I look like her. Like, for yeah. sure I look like her. You know, it was this fantasy. Um, so it's 2019. I've been uh, doing this since 2011, um, and obviously it's taken up a lot of my emotional capacity. Mm-hmm. So I had gone. I started. Um, I got interested in Korean shamanism, and I wanted to uh, experience what it was like to have mm. a session. And this woman you know, sat me down and she basically read me and said, first of all, you look just like your father. Yeah. And there's no way that I is actually being translated. (laughs) So this is being translated to me. She said, you look just like your father and you need to stop 
searching you need to stop searching for your birth mother it's making you physically ill and this is just her talking to you without knowing anything about without you. knowing anything about me wow. and so that freaked me out because i was experiencing a lot of like stomach problems and just other you know health mm. issues that couldn't be explained mm. and so i kind of did stop it's like okay i'm gonna stop because it's like how how obsessed could you get with finding somebody that doesn't want to be found yeah yeah and especially if it's becoming detrimental to your own health right both physical and emotional exactly so I think I've kind of um, I've I've since stopped and I guess um, just started trying to accept that I may never know Mm -hmm. my family history Um, but my boyfriend actually got me um, one of those 23andMe DNA tests (laughs) because of course I have to keep doing this uh, some way maybe I'm not (laughs) going to look for her but I'm going to see Yeah. and it said I'm almost 97% Korean Hmm. Which is super interesting because some of my other Korean adoptee friends have found out that they're um, partial, partially Japanese. Mm. Um, so I thought, oh, for sure, I'm like this, you know, part of me is, a large part of me must be Japanese. And I find out I'm like, not. <laughs> but I thought it would be cool to find out that I was. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I was adopted by, so then I was, I was yeah. like grasping. Yeah, that like more connection to your yeah, par- I mean, adopted parents. Yeah, it's, so it's really strange just to like, search and search for some connection what do you think it means to be American um I guess I think about this a lot Hmm. especially when uh, I get comments like your English is so good right where are you from or you know what are you I say I'm American (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I grew up here. Um, I guess what I keep coming to is that it means that you can always start over and you can create your own identity. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if people ask you where you're from, it doesn't really matter because you can you're here in this melting pot and you can be whatever you want and so I guess even though I am reminded um, by people that ask me what am I where am I from Um, why is your English show you know (laughs) why do you speak such good English why do you not have an accent Um, I mean this is where I grew up know I don't know anything else did you grow up in Los Angeles I I didn't grow up in Los Angeles I grew up in uh, Central California Mm. Um, but yeah I mean that's this is my experience like I didn't grow up in Korea I don't have that history Um, this is my my experience is being raised in a Japanese American family in Central California yeah, so that's what I know. I guess I feel like uh, it is an opportunity to just create your own reality and your own future. It's mm-hmm. nice. What do you think about um, everything that's happening with immigration and race relations in the country at this point in time? I think it's pretty appalling. It's, it's, it's really, it's really scary in a lot of ways, um, because, I mean, even though I am, you know, American, I wasn't a naturalized citizen until I was three, mm-hmm. and, um, I still do think 
you know, I mean, it could happen to any of us. Mm. And so I still, mm. I, I feel very concerned and scared for what's going on right now. Um, I, I, and I don't know, like, I don't know what the answer is. I don't know mm-hmm. what the future is going to hold. Do you remember getting the, your citizenship, what that process was like, or were you too young? I was, yeah, I was pretty young. I don't really remember. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't really remember. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I don't like. It's interesting that it, um, I wonder why you, do you know why you got, didn't get it until you were three, even though you I'm were adopted sure. in six months? I'm not sure, huh. but I also know that there's been Korean adoptees that have um, had issues with deportation because oh, wow. their adoption paperwork wasn't correct, or it was not processed. Wow. Um, or I mean, various reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, this whole situation is very scary for a lot of people. Because um, there's been talk of Trump's administration wanting to go through naturalization papers and double check and find any error. I, absolutely. To kick people out. I keep reading yeah. articles about this. So, of course, I, you know, I carry my passport because you just never know. Wow. I, like, like you have it with you now? I, I don't have it with me now because <laughs> I was carrying it for so long that I was just like, I might lose this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, it's. Wow. It is scary that he would be, yeah, he would be going that deep to basically tear families apart Yeah, for absolutely no reason. I couldn't help when I saw all of the, the, the camps for uh, the migrants and refugees and I saw the family being separated, I just was like this is internment camps this is oh absolutely this is a concentration camp absolutely like, this is the same and i can't believe we're doing that i can't yeah you country. can't believe that it's happening now yeah and that also it's hard also because i feel like it's in the news briefly and then not <laughs> as if it's not going on anymore right right so I, I don't, I, yeah, it's pretty appalling. Um, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen in the next couple years. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about what you're fearful of and what you're hopeful for? Um, just personally or? Yeah, it could be in general or, or related to all the things we've been talking about. Um, well, I guess I'm fearful that things will keep getting worse, (laughs) Mm. um, but, and then I guess a personal fear is that I won't be able to get my message out, uh, everything that I want to say, uh. Mm. out you know before I die because this is why obsessively I'm constantly working on stuff all the time um, but what I am hopeful about is um, that the more I reach out um, because for so long I didn't because I mm-hmm. was um, I guess I felt so traumatized and like ashamed of what my story was, um, so I didn't talk to anybody about it mm. because. Um, so now I feel like the more I do talk to people about um, my story and how I got here and uh, how I tried to go back, I feel like the more I connect with people on that level mm, and hear mm-hmm. other people's stories, it gives me hope. Mm. And then 
you know, maybe a friendship or an artistic collaboration comes out of it or, um, or a support group. So I think in that sense, the more I hear other people's stories and then they hear mine, like yeah. I just, I, that gives me hope. Yeah. That's great. And I feel like it's also why I make art. Exactly. That's, that I, I, I mean, I, I love your work feel and like, I love that thank you're doing you. this. Yeah. I just, I have always felt like that it's partly how I process the world and my experience right. in the world. And how you communicate. Yeah. But then I also have always felt like I want my audience to benefit from it in some way. And whether that means that there's a, they have a shared catharsis or that there's some empathy that's built or some, um, just a sense of like compassion I think for all the rest of us exactly (laughs) it's really important to me yeah yeah and and I guess I you know when I started this project I really felt like I've kind of gone back and forth with who who is the audience of these conversations and is it and and how do you make work that's not just like preaching to the choir and talking amongst yourselves right and so far, all the conversations have been um, with people that through artist art circles and connections. And there's a there's a tendency for people in that demographic to be a little more left leaning. I still feel like I need to reach out to people who are going to be like, I like the border wall. And right. I, and <laughs> I mean, what's up with all these immigrants? And And even though that will be a really challenging difficult conversation to have I do feel like if I'm talking about um, what it means to be American I need to have those points of views right in it too but I have not yet the closest I'm gonna get I feel like is or to start and like in terms of like the easiest connection I have is like my my cousin who's um, Republican and voted for Trump, but now regrets that she did. Right. And her kids are adopted from China. And oh wow. And she's oh wow. And That's she's um, her her grandmother, her mother, and my grandmother were sisters, but her mother converted, and so she wasn't raised in a Jewish household. So it's even all these other layers of oh, identity. Wow. So I just I do want to, and she grew up in the same apartment building in New York as my great-grandparents that got their citizenship because of my great-grandfather's military service. Like, those mm-hmm. were her grandparents, and they lived, like, a couple floors below each other. So, like, I, I have to... I feel like that's the start of, like, reach... Like, we can... We agree on a lot of things, and we disagree on some things, and I can't... And I feel like... Then I got to figure out how to find all the other people that I wouldn't normally talk to and that's the thing is like I'm willing to listen I yeah. don't have to agree and I am actually curious like how do you get to these conclusions yeah like, why why do you think this is right and I think I mean, it my, would be an interesting conversation my, for you to have my theory has always been that it's this lack of education and lack of exposure to people different than you mm-hmm. and I know even from when I you know I went to middle school and high school in South Florida and South Florida is pretty diverse like LA Um, we don't have as many people from Asia there just because geographic proximity Um, and the Latino population is more from the east coast of of South America and Central America and the Caribbean than from um, Mexico and well there's yeah it's just a little bit different demographics but but I did find when I went to college out of state and then got back in touch with high school friends that sort of realized like certain people, if they never left their hometown, if they never left their circle of friends that were like, the, you know, in high school, I feel like cliques were in a lot of ways racially segregated. Right. Um, not always, but a lot. And I, I feel like the people who didn't venture beyond their initial experience and their family, the people who were like their family, then those are the ones that seemed 
to have more bias right and racist tendencies than the ones who you know who got out got out and and we joke about south florida being south of the south that it's that's so funny that it's like when you get to palm beach county and miami-dade and everything in between that everybody's from new york or latin america or the caribbean Mm -hmm. so it's like not the same as as like what we think of as the confederate flag south that's so funny but it but they're still there so it's it's a it's an interesting place i mean i grew up in central california which everyone thinks california is like a blue state but yeah i, I always joke i grew up in the red part of california yeah because yeah it's agriculture um it's very republican there's anti-abortion billboards everywhere. You go into a grocery store, there's Christian music playing. Wow. Um, yeah, <laughs> so I get it. So everyone's like, oh, you grew up in California. Like, it's, I'm like, well, where I grew up is not Los Angeles. Yeah, they're different. But it's, I, it's... I have family in Los Angeles, so I've been coming here mm. since I was, you know, a kid. It's something that I realized when my sister and I drove across the country when I was moving to L.A. and I was living in Rhode Island at the time. When we got to, I think it was like <laughs> Roswell, New Mexico, and somebody, the waitress at the diner, had a, what I attribute, always thought of as a southern accent. I was like, oh, so it's not really a southern accent, it's just a rural accent. <laughs> and then she, she, had, she asked us questions about, she really had no idea where Rhode Island was. Oh, wow. And... Um, there were a few other comments that she'd made that I was like, oh, this is the, like, this, what I associate as a stereotypical racist South is maybe just stereotypical rural right. racist, not well, they, Southern. I, I feel like um, it's not really that easy to travel if, I mean, if traveling's expensive, mm-hmm. so if you live... Um, you know, if you live in a small town and you don't make a lot of money, like, how are you going to go to Europe? Right. <laughs> or, you know, how, how are you going to travel? Even just if, to get you, out of your state. Even just to get out of your state. It's mm-hmm. expensive. Gas is expensive. Yeah. Um, so I do have compassion in that department where I'm like, yeah. oh, well, they just don't know. Not to say that that's it's right. When people yeah. say racial things or don't know where certain states are, it's like, I think to myself, that's really unfortunate, and right. maybe I should like say something. Or, mm-hmm. but you know, it's not. It's like in that sense, I I do have compassion, and so I it does keep me from getting angry. Like, how could you not know? Like I'm from here, and yeah. China, and, and not yeah. everywhere in Asia is China. Yeah, <laughs> you know, because um, I had an experience with my best friend in high school was dating a Korean, a Korean guy like from Korea. She would go visit him, and a, a woman she worked with kept saying, "Oh, so he's from China. So he's from China." She's like, "No, he's from he's Korean." She said, "So so he's so China," and we were <laughs> laughing about that. But then I realized that's that's actually a reality yeah that if if, when you think about the way um how eurocentric and american centric so much of pop culture and history is that if we don't even and like we're not and even politics like we're not hearing about what happens in a lot of places like how many people could point to who could name all the states on a map, let alone oh, point to various absolutely. countries in other parts of the world. Yeah, they're, they're not watching any news, but yeah. maybe they're only watching local news. Like, yeah. there's no way that you would hear, you know, they're, maybe they're not watching BBC News or something. Yeah. So it's like, I, I don't, I try not to get upset in situations like that, but it makes me sad that we don't have a better education system. Yeah, we, we... My husband and I were laughing when we got married. We decided my my father-in-law wanted to host the rehearsal dinner and we picked this Thai restaurant in Pasadena just because we liked it and the wedding was in Pasadena and my father-in-law was like, who's going to want to eat Thai? 
And I was like, <laughs> everybody on my side of the family will, and all of our friends will. And then I hear my mother-in-law in the background, and she says, she was like, come on, you like Chinese food. Thailand is just like another country over. And then he goes, oh, okay, I'll try it. Which is like the food's totally different. It's totally different, but I liked that it got him to at least try it because he was like, oh, yeah, okay. But it was, but it's like they, they're, they're from Massachusetts suburbs of Boston and they have traveled to Europe, but not to, um, anywhere else. And, and like come to visit and they want American food. And my husband and I are like, what? I don't even know what that is. Like, what would we give you? (laughs) We like the fact that we can go get absolutely everything we want to eat in L.A., I mean, that's one of my favorite things about living here is that we, I mean, you can go get some of the most authentic food, you know, in different parts of the city. And um, I've, you know, met people that were from Korea that had food in Koreatown and they were like, this food is... It's real stuff. This is real stuff. And when I went to Korea Mm -hmm. after, you know, I was like... This is literally the Koreatown food. Like, yeah, it's that it's authentic. That. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. My sister lives in India, and that was the same she said about a couple of restaurants we've taken her, Indian restaurants we've taken her to in L.A., that she's been like, oh, yeah, this is exactly like what we'd get in this town. I mean, that's this pretty great. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, I really like that's, that's great about living here. <laughs> Is there anything else that you want to talk about that we haven't touched on? I, well, I did want to bring up um, the fact that my father, um, even after his parents were in internment camps, mm. ended up joining the army. Mm. And so I just thought, because you were bringing up yeah. um, uh, getting enlisted to get... Was it? Yeah, my grandfather, my great grandfather got. I don't know if why he enlisted, but I know that he got his citizenship after his discharge from the army. I I always just thought that was such an interesting um, thing for my father to do. What service? What branch was he in? He was in the army. Uh huh. Um, so would it have been? It was Vietnam. Vietnam. Yeah, my father also was in. Was, I think Air Force in Vietnam. Yeah. I mean, I I just thought, wow, you would Did he to... enlist or he get drafted? I feel like he enlisted. Ah. Um I need to ask him more about that in detail um because I know he went through college. Mm. He got to go to college because of being in the army. Yeah. So And I think with my father he he was in college and then got drafted, but because he w- he told us that he was majoring in the three B's, which he said was booze, broads, and billiards, <laughs> <laughs> and, that, and that he was like kind of partying too much and failing, and that's why he got drafted and had to go. So he'd left college to go oh, wow. and then finish college when he when the war was over and then that's how he, he met my mom in college oh wow the second kind of the second time around but it's yeah that would be really interesting to find out I like need to ask him some more why questions. enlist yeah because i know his a couple of his brothers did too hmm. and sometimes it's it's like i have a friend a couple of friends from high school who had enlisted in the i want to say air force and it was sort of just like they didn't really know what they wanted to do in college and they thought well I might as well do this they'll pay for college and this was in the early 90s right before the first Gulf War mm-hmm. so there wasn't really anything happening yeah. big big stuff I mean there were you know the US military is everywhere all the time but it wasn't like a there wasn't a big war happening and so they were um, they thought this will be easy. And then U.S. invaded Iraq Mm -hmm. while they were going, I think, going through training. Wow. And it was like, oh, what have I done? Like, I thought I was just going to get free college and 
job training and it would be easy. Yeah. Because we were in a peaceful time and then realized after the fact. It well, I, I grew up actually, um, I went to school on military base. Because um, ah. my mom actually was a teacher on the military base. And so, um, you know, where I grew up a small town. Mm-hmm. It's uh, very Republican, but also very military. Yeah. So a lot of people I went to high school with ended up enlisting. And they're like, we're doing a great job. Like, you know, just the, that mentality, like being so brainwashed, thinking, mm. you know, I, I, it was just really, it was just really strange when I'd go back home and I'd see people I went to high school with and. Um, and they genuinely believe they genuinely that believe serving that, the country and it's important yeah. and valuable and a worthwhile way to serve the country. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Hmm. So I guess my last question is, um, what is, um, what do, do you find um, commonality in answers when you ask people what their idea of being American is? Mm. Being and, that you've interviewed yeah, so I many think different people. It's actually, it's interesting because I think the most common thing has been people who've said that they felt like being an American has to do with um, being the place where we can, where everybody's accepted, but then, or that that's what they thought, and then they, as an adult, that realization was shattered so yeah. like they thought like like another um friend who's adopted talked about um being um thinking that their hybrid identity was essentially like this is quintessential american mm-hmm. to have this kind of hybrid identity of being mixed race and being adopted by a family of a different race and religion and all of this complexity and he and they were like yeah this is what it means but no, no one else <laughs> thinks that and accepts that. So that, I think that's kind of come up a lot. Other people um, have talked about more the, like, like, there's one woman who's actually, we recorded an interview and the audio failed and we're going to do it again, but she's from El Salvador and came legally with her family when she was young and talked a lot about her how she said well if you asked my mother my mother would say american means white oh that's but so she said but then she quickly sort of also said but you know like central america is american and latin south america is american like it's that sort of so we spent a lot of time talking about does American mean only United States citizen or does American mean all of the Americas? Right. And I think that's, that also made me think a lot about when I studied abroad in Ireland, they, in Ireland, they always, like, I always felt like the American students referred to our home country as the States Mm -hmm. and the Irish students referred to my home country as America. And with this, but they said it with this like gravity and weight of also connecting the waves of Irish immigrants who came and this sense of like America as this like promised land where we want to go. Um, It's got to be better there. And and then their sense of like pop culture was, you know, like they all, I remember couple people saying oh you like I was a lifeguard in college in the summers but like at a public pool Uh and at the university pool during the school year and when I had mentioned that everybody said oh like Baywatch (laughs) so I I think it made me really realize that perception of what American is is so different depending on who's talking who's who's answering the question and where they're from and like I'm I found myself in Ireland wanting to minimize my American accent and not always wanting to, like, I worked, I was at a school, Burn College of Art is, like, at that time in the 90s was a school of, like, 20 students, Mm. and it was in a town of 200 people and really rural, 
but it was also a tourist town. So a lot of American tourists would stop there. And I worked on, under the table serving breakfast at a hotel for a little while. And then I worked also in an Airbnb, not an Airbnb, a regular traditional b <laughs> I don't know why I said it that way. <laughs> at an old because school, that's what we call our yeah, thing. At now. an old school bed and breakfast. And um, I did find myself like, on, there was one time where it was like a busy, uh, day and we had a huge group of American tourists in the hotel and I was serving breakfast and I had been there several months and I found myself like not wanting them to ask me if I was American like I wanted to blend in oh wow that's so interesting and I wanted to know like could I pass as Irish with with an accent like a subtle accent and could I because like or like you're like if I don't speak much maybe yeah maybe they won't because there was something about the Irish had this perception of like really loud Americans, tourists that were demanding and that right. that like weren't kind of rude. And that, but the Irish there also were the kind of at least the the people that I interacted with, and they would tell me they'd admitted this that they were like, yeah, yeah, we'll be super nice to you and friendly to your face, but we're gonna totally talk shit behind your back. <laughs> and so <laughs> it was that sense of like, oh, here comes the fucking Americans again and then they'd they'd um you know serve them politely and then in the kitchen complain about them so that was sort of my like even though everybody I worked with knew I was one of the American students right right I I remember like but just the fact that not wanting to connect and associate with these people that were being my co-workers thought were loud and obnoxious tourists yeah but I think there's something to be said about um wanting to blend in and and um, really immerse yourself in the culture and you know, yeah, particularly not when assume you study that you that. know everything and being loud yeah. and obnoxious and yeah. just kind of um, yeah more like assimilating and, yeah. and like, I feel like visually I could probably blend in once in Ireland and I don't know if it's still like this but at that time the IRA had stopped the ceasefire so there was still a lot of back and forth fighting between Northern Ireland and and the Republic of Ireland in the South. And um, so people quickly, like this head of the school, when I got there, he picked me up from the airport and one of his like early questions said, so are you Protestant or Catholic? (laughs) And I was like, I'm Jewish. And oh, but Jesus, I don't know what we're going to do with you. And it was very like this strange thing to me that I was like, wow, in our country, we don't ask religion no right you don't talk about that until you've known someone for a longer time and so I did feel like I could blend in until someone asked that question and people were going to ask that question really early that is so funny um I guess like I think my final comment about (laughs) that is my experience with being in Korea and looking like I blended in which was so great I would walk around at three in the morning it's really safe there um Mm. and which I could never walk around at three in the morning by myself you know in downtown or Hollywood yeah and you know here you think America like um oh it's a place where everyone's accepted and meanwhile I'm getting yelled racial comments out of car you know and so going to Korea I was like wow I'm invisible Mm. this is so cool Mm. I finally am invisible and I can do what I want no one talks to me except when I have to buy something and you can't speak Korean and I can't speak Korean so I get my calculator Uh you know or they get their calculator and tell me how much something costs and then they quickly realize I don't speak Korean and then they're kind of you know maybe not as nice to me Mm. but I learned how to say uh, adopted in Korean which is E.B. Young and Mm. the second I said that, I, I kid you not, they would start hugging me. Some people would oh. start crying because they were like older Welcome generation. Home. Yeah. Wow. And they would it's say. It's like bringing tears to my eyes right now. That's amazing. Yeah. They were like, I'm so sorry. And I was like, it. that was like, uh, you know, probably the first time I realized. I was like, oh, wow. Like, this was a big deal in the 80s. But that was the first time I realized, like, oh, wow, I can't blend in. <laughs> but it's nice for that. It's such a, like, that's an amazing counterpoint to 
the Americans telling you you're so lucky and that and how great it is. Isn't that, that you... the, like uh, it's just um, yeah, it's just two completely different experiences. Yeah, getting yelled at here, not blending in, um, but it's melting pot. But yeah. then they're. Uh, you know, they gave it's a much more hundreds of thousands of babies away. Uh, and now they but now they're about sad about it. Yeah. And so they're like, oh, I'm sorry. So it's just been. That's amazing. But that um, was like yours where you're like, I hope I just blend. I just want to yeah, blend in. Yeah. I, I hope everyone thinks I'm from here, you know. And then you're like, oh, just kidding. <laughs> I can't talk to the cab driver. <laughs> well, this has really been a great conversation. Yeah, it's so thank good you. to get to know you more. And thank Thanks you for, for sharing your story. And you as well. This is I this project is really great. I appreciate that. Awesome. Thanks. Yay. <laughs>